today? Good morning. Yeah, so if you close your eyes, it sounds like Pastor Jason, all right? <laughs> and I get that. Whether you're in the room or you're watching in the overflow or you're watching online right now, my name is Jeremy. This is my wife, Corey. I'm the better looking, funnier, better athletic uh, brother. No, man, we're, I, I, I am. Pa- Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, that, I don't know why that was funny, because that was honest. But, you know, anyway, that's fine. Uh, no, listen, we're so thankful to be here. We've been here before, and we're just thankful to be back. But if we've not had the chance to meet you, uh, we live just north of Atlanta, and we love your church. We love your pastors. Do you love your pastors? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love them a little more, but I'm thankful that you love them. And uh, no, we're just thankful to be here. Corey and I, uh, honestly, just, we love to talk about marriage. So we're thankful just to hop into week two of You and Me. What a great week last week with Jason and Andrea. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast or whatever channels you can find that. Uh, just, just a great, great series. And today is a special day because it's Valentine's it's Day. Valentine's right? Day. And so if you're, if you're, a, if you're a guy in the room... Uh, we just gave you a tip. It's Valentine's Day. There are cards still yeah. available. They don't, don't say Valentine's. They say, like, sorry your dog died, but still, you just okay. write something. I don't free. know what you got for Valentine's Day, but the other day I was upstairs. We knew we were traveling, so my husband decided to give me my Valentine's gift early. So I was upstairs, and I heard this racket. I was like, what is the noise? So I yelled down, Jeremy, what is the noise? And it was, like, silent. He didn't answer. So I finally come down around, kind of lean over the banister, walk down the steps, I'm like, oh my gosh. It was like a second, like, human. He bought me a robot vacuum cleaner. That thing was walking around. It automatically felt like a member of our family. We were giving it names. And he said, he started laughing, and he said, I hope this gift isn't offensive. I was like, offensive? I don't have to vacuum our floor anymore. This is the hottest gift I've ever received. So I don't know what you got, but I hope it was a really hot gift. Yeah, listen, all of my life I've heard, like, don't give your wife a vacuum cleaner or, you know, listen, something for her birthday or for Valentine's. If it's but, a self-moving vacuum cleaner, yeah, you go ahead. It, I mean, I felt like I was doing all right in the store. But when you get home, <laughs> that's why when she said, what's that noise? I didn't want to answer. I didn't want to blow it. So, uh, no, it's Valentine's Day, so it's a great time for us just to stay in this series and in the content that we're in as we talk about marriages. And I recognize that some of you, you're married, you're in a great marriage. Some of you, you're just married, right? Uh, and you don't know if it's happily ever after or not. You're just married. Some of you, you're single. Some of you, you've, you've had broken relationships in the past. But I think for all of us, it's a great time for us to evaluate in the context of marriage what what our life's about and the pursuit that we have in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's our hope today. Uh, we have four kids. Corey and I met when we were 13 years old. Uh, we were going to show you a picture of that, but it's, it's like that was when technology, like our kids think we were born when like things were in black and white. <laughs> and uh, so we're not going to show you that, but we were 13. The story that I tell is that Corey was walking down the sidewalk this way. I was walking this way. I passed her and started walking this way. <laughs> and I've been chasing her since that point. We have four kids. Cooper's 16. Branson is 14. Tucker's with us today. He's 11. He'll be 12 in May. And then little Miss Kinley's nine, uh, almost since she runs the show. And uh, she was born on my birthday. She's the best birthday present I ever got. And then I lost my birthday. So uh, now we do princess parties for my birthday. So I'm really excited about that. But today, as we continue in this idea of you and me, we just want to talk about marriage. And we want to talk about what God is asking of us in marriages as it relates to that growing relationship with him. And last week, uh, you, you, you talked about this idea of like it's a great mystery. Like if your marriage is complicated, it's because you're complicated. Any complicated folks in the room, like I, I would admit to that. And, uh, and so like as we try to figure out how the two become one, we're trying to figure out like how do we take my imperfections and your imperfections and we put them together into this two becoming one that 
that God has, has really called us and purposed us for in the context of marriage. And so I want to stay in the same text, the same passage of Scripture that we spent some time in last week. Ephesians chapter 5. You've got a Bible, the app. You can follow along there. This is in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read a chunk of this so you can buckle up and hang on. Beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, as we think about this passage of Scripture, there's so much in here, and there's so much that's already been talked about, other things that we can talk about and probably will over the next few weeks. But as we think about this, all of the publicity seems to be on those two kind of commandments almost for the husband and the wife. Like, wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so we think about those things and and we start to think about, like, what does that look like in a practical sense? And sometimes we, we kind of misunderstand that as we come into marriage, like, these are basic things for us to be asked to do. Because if you go one verse before what we just read, like, before you get to verse 22, let's go to verse 21. It says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So like basic level Christianity says that before I even come into my marriage, I'm actually submitting to the people that are in my life. Yeah, submission, we hear that as wives and we kind of cringe a little bit, right? It's, it's got a context that's heavy. And then you hear husbands here, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, if you were a Christian and you've read your Bible, you realize that that Christ died for the church. Right. And so you're like, ooh, ouch, how, like, how, how does that look? You know, I think there, when you read the scripture, it says, wives submit to your husbands, and we read all of the verses, and then at the end, it says, husbands love your wives, or, or husbands love your wives, and wives respect your husband. So really, submission and respect in these verses go hand in yeah. hand. And honestly, if I'm telling you the truth, submission to your husband is really just a reflection of your heart for God. Because the verse says that we are really submitting to everyone out of reverence to God, which means your lack of submission maybe is a reflection of your lack of submission to the things that God has purposed for your life and has called you to do. Maybe if you lack love for your husband, maybe you really haven't understood the love that Jesus has for you and what that's supposed to look like. Wives, when we say submit yourself to your husband or we say respect your husband, how are you talking when you're sitting in a circle with your friends like how are you lifting your husband up what are the things that you're saying and and husbands when you're at the office and you're talking about your wife are you talking in a way that that brings her up and makes her elevates her where the people around you know that you love her you know those things are are challenging but really they're just a reflection of our heart for God yeah so if we talk about this as like a basic level of Christianity, like a basic call for all of us that are in pursuit of God. And I recognize not everybody in a room like this or watching online, maybe you would even say I'm in pursuit of God. But as you start to reorient your life to say, like, I want my life to be a reflection of who God is calling me to be, 
then we bring with us this call to submit and this call to serve the needs and the preferences of those that are around us as a reflection of the love of God towards them as well. And so then we come into a marriage relationship and we look, we look towards one another and we say, okay, I'm already trying to you know, not consider myself more highly than I ought and I'm already trying to consider others before myself. So how can I do that in a loving way to my spouse? How can I love you as Christ loved the church where he gave himself up, which means maybe it doesn't call for my life, but maybe it calls that I don't always get to get my way. I have to give up some of my preferences. I, I, in the way that we submit to one another or serve one another, I actually give of the very best of me, not for myself, but I give of the best of me for you. In a, in a basic level in a room like this, it's saying like, hey, if I'm submitted to everyone, then I'm racing you to that door, not just because I'm an awesome athlete and not just because I wanna beat you and I'm very competitive. I wanna get there so I can hold the door for you. I wanna outserve you even as you're racing me there to try to hold the door for me. We're gonna outserve one another and try to find ways to make sure that you know that I want the best for you. I wanna let you go first. I wanna defer to you. And so then we bring that into marriage and what happens in marriage so often is we lose that mindset and instead of trying to serve the other one, we're trying to beat the other one in the argument. I gotta convince you to come to my side. I gotta get you to see things the way that I see them. I've gotta, gotta pull my side of the argument so that you come to my side and now you're on my side and I won. I got the point on this one. I got the check mark on being in the win column here. So no, no, a basic level of just humanity in pursuit of God is saying, I wanna submit myself, serve other people, and I wanna bring that into the context of marriage. And, and that's not because we created it and we thought it up. It's because it was given to us. I think they said last week, it, this is what Paul says. This is what Jesus said. This is what God said. Like he's quoting these. And so like, this is something that God has destined for us as it relates to what it looks like to live in a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage in pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so what is it that Jesus said? Well, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, this is what we read. It says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Again, we're talking more generally. We're even talking outside of the context of marriage. But Jesus says, a new command I give you that you love one another. And as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So I want you to think about it if you are married in the room. I want you to think about it in this way. If Jesus was saying to you, so I have loved you, Jeremy, you must love Corey. For you, you can fill in the blank with your spouse's name. Just as Christ has loved you, you must love fill in the blank. Well, how did Christ love you? He gave himself up for you. That's what we just read in Ephesians. He, he, he literally gave everything that he had for the sake of others. He poured himself out, if you read the scriptures there at the end of his life. He poured himself out as, a, as, a, as an offering to the Father on your behalf. And so how do we serve one another? How do we love one another well, I think that we say, God, you've loved me and I take that love that I receive and I try to give that away to this person that I say that I love. And I know that not everybody in the, in the room is married. And so if he's like, well, what does that look like for me? I think you begin now the process of being submitted. Submission's not submission till you don't get your way. So how do you handle that now when you're single? Because then when you bring all of these things into the context of marriage, it's like, well, I, I'm gonna fight more. Well, okay, let's, let's try to work on that piece of our heart now. Let's be more submitted, more loving, more caring, serving the needs of those around us. Well, let's look at one more verse that we read there in Ephesians, the very last verse of what we read. If you come to the end there, last week, Jason and Andrea talked about this great mystery, right? This great mystery of two becoming one. But what, what the apostle Paul says here is it's this great mystery. He said, I'm talking about Christ and the church, this great mystery of Christ and the church. And so when we think about this, it could be that there's a larger story being told in your marriage. 
Now, if I was sitting with you over coffee, you could tell me your life story, the good, the bad, everything that's happened that's led you to this point, because we all have a story, right? And so I have a story. I'm going to take a moment to tell you a little bit about it. I was, my mom was raised, or I was raised by a single mom. If you were a single mom in the room, let me applaud you. You have one of the hardest jobs in the world. If you're a single parent in the room, you have one of the hardest jobs ever. My mom was a single mom of three. She was married four times. I've never met my biological father, and my adopted dad uh, took his own life at the age of 10, when I was 10. Um, And so it was messy growing up, right? And so my mom was doing the very best that she could for me and my sisters, and she took us to church at an early age, and God captured my heart in a way that I'll probably never be able to adequately explain. And I fell in love with Jesus, and the Bible says that God is your father, and he became that to me. So if you're a single mom in the room and you're worried about your kids, or you're a single father in the room and you're worried about your kids, let me help you by telling you all you have to do is point them to Jesus. He is enough. He will fill in the gaps. He can fill in the gaps, and he will be father to your children. That's right. And so he's enough, and he became enough for me. And I fell in love with Jesus, and what I did is I decided, like, God, for my future, what I would like is something healthier than what I've seen. And now, not all of the circumstances were my mom's fault, so in no way am I, am I trying to blame her for anything that took place. But I wanted, health, I wanted a healthy marriage, what God had in store And so in God's sovereignty, in the way that only God can, God uh, brought people into my life in this church that allowed me, in the church I grew up in, that allowed me to see what healthy relationships look like. Now, these people had no idea that I was watching them. They had no idea that I was looking for them. But I would be walking, and I would see how a husband and a wife would interact. And I would go, okay, God, that's what I want. That's what it looks like. I would see a, wife, a husband uh, bring his wife a gift or, or talk about something nice that she did. I would hear how a wife would, would talk about her husband in a way that was so God-honoring that I thought, oh, my gosh, I want that for my future. And so I begin just to watch families and people and what, what it looked like. I say all that to say to you today that your marriage tells a bigger story than you realize. Your marriage is bigger than you and your spouse. It's bigger than what happens within the confines of your home. Whether you know it or not, there are people watching your marriage. In this church at Hope City, There are little girls and boys that are saying that may come out of brokenness, what could my future look like? What could be possible? And it may just so happen that they run into you and your marriage begins to be the picture of their future and what God can do in that little girl's heart or in that boy's heart to say, if you'll just keep your eyes on me, I give you this Your marriage tells the greatest love story that's ever been told. It tells the story of Christ and church. The Bible says that Christ gave his life for the church. That he loved his bride, church. So the the one thing that God, all the things God could have chosen, create this beautiful picture to show the broken world his, his love, he chose marriage. And so your marriage, if you allow, you keep, keep God at dinner, 
has the, has the potential to tell the greatest love story ever, ever told, that one day there may be, be somebody who sits on, sits on a stage and says, they don't know it, know it but, I, but I watched so-and-so's marriage. And it is the reason why I, that I sit here with confidence in my own marriage because of the way they lived their life. I remember when I watched a movie. This was years ago, so I'm about to ruin it, and it's your fault that you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I remember when I watched the movie Sixth Sense, right? And I remember watching this movie, and you got Bruce Willis, you got J, uh, Haley Joel Osment, and, and, and at the end of the movie, you, you know, it's like, I see dead people, I see dead people, and you're watching this interaction. At the very end of the movie, you realize that the old guy's been dead the whole time. And if you haven't seen it, like, that's your fault, okay? So at the end, the guy, Bruce Willis, he's dead. So uh, it's like, you think it's one story, and you get to the end, and it's a different story. Well, isn't that what marriage turns out to be when you actually read it in the Bible? Like, is it, you, you thought it was till death do us part. You thought it was for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You thought it was making commitments in front of your friends and family or the justice of the peace or the cruise ship director. Like, you, whatever it looks like, <laughs> you just thought that was what you were doing. And then you actually open the Bible and you read the story and you realize, oh, it was actually something different. It's actually telling a different story. You and me, it's a great title. It, it's, it's, it's what marriage looks like, right? It's you and me, you and me in this together. What we said since we got married is we want to be married for 75 years, and we want to be faithful and true for all of those 75 years. Now, I mean, I don't know if that's possible, right? I'm not sure how long we'll live. I don't know all the, the details and all this, like, but that's our commitment. That's our goal. That's what we're pointed to. You and me, we're in this together. But the you and me is actually bigger than the you and me. Like, there's a whole other story that's being written here. Because just like Corey said, like, God could have chosen anything, to tell the world this great love story. Like if you are married or maybe you're dating, maybe you're engaged, like I don't know what you do. You know, I'm, you got date night, like you got let's go out and spend money date night, but you've also got like date night, like we, we're both broke, we don't have any money, so like let's watch Hallmark or let's watch a romantic comedy or let's find, like, so you see these love stories and you're like, oh man, I wish that was our story. Oh man, I, I wish, you know, he would treat me that way or she would treat me that way. Or oh, I, wish, I wish that's the story we got to tell other people. Like that would be so awesome. And what you don't realize is that you actually are in that kind of scenario. That's You're right. actually retelling and role-playing in a different story for the people around you. Because God has chosen marriage to tell this great love story. And you and I get to be participants in that. If you're a husband, you get to be that kind of participant. If you're a wife, you get to be that kind of participant in this grand love story of what God has chosen to use to tell the world that's lost and broken and hurting, hey, this is what the expression of my love looks like. But in our culture, in so many different places, marriages, there's messiness and hurt. And, and what Corey was sharing just a second ago, like we don't speak to one another in, in ways that are encouraging and that grow one another up and build one another up. We, we, we use marriage to tell a different kind of story. But if we recognize the larger story that God has invited us into, and we see our marriage as telling this grand story, it changes the way that you and me interact with one another. When Corey and I had first gotten married, we, we were connected to a young lady who got pregnant. She wasn't married, and, and we didn't do anything like super intentional other than just love her and love this little girl that was born to her. And just, just love her and just do the best we could just to, just to encourage her and, and, and help her in every way that we possibly could. And she's grown up now. She's a, a beautiful young lady. And just a few days ago, we were standing in a mall and something happened. Corey and I were interacting in some way and this young lady was standing right next to me. And she said this. She said, I want my marriage to look like what you and Corey have. You see full circle what Corey shared just a few minutes ago where she grew up 
in a context where she didn't have in her own home what it was that she hoped for and longed for. And unintentionally so, but just trying to do the best that we could. We don't get it right all the time. We make, I make way more mistakes. She's never made a mistake. I make a ton of mistakes, <laughs> right? But it's like just doing the best we can. God is using our story for someone that doesn't even live in our home so that there's another girl that might say, you know what? If I could have what you guys have as you pursue Christ and you love one another, as you respect one another, submit to one another, serve one another, as you buy each other robot vacuum cleaners. Amen. Right? Like this is what, this is what I want. And maybe it's not even outside of your home. Our hope and our desire, I just told you about our four kids. My hope is that those three sons that, that God has given to us, that at some point they're going to find a woman that loves them the way that she loves me. And they're going to try to the best of their ability and far greater than I ever have or ever can. They're going to try to love that woman in the way that they read from Scripture that Christ has loved his church. And that that little girl who I share a birthday with would grow up having watched the way that I attempt to treat her mother and watch the way that her mom treats me and the things that we do and the best that we can within our home. And that's what she's longing for, that, that her marriage would be a marriage that is building up each other, that they love and submit and respect and encourage one another because they're telling a grander story. And my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, years and years and years later, would be telling this great love story because we are in pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ and we bring that pursuit into our pursuit of one another. And in doing so, God graces us with the opportunity to tell this incredible story. And so if you're married today, the question is, how do I help retell this story? It's not, a, can I win the argument? It's not, do I get to pick lunch today? It's not, who, who's mad at who? It's not playing, you know, trash can Jenga. It's like you just keep stacking it up till it falls. Whoever made it fall has to do, empty the trash. That, we play that in our house. Maybe you don't play that. It's a phenomenal game. I'm really good at it. <laughs> It's not playing trash can jing in the house, right? It's how do I retell the love of God to the people in my home and the people outside of my home? And it's never too late That's to right. start. That's right. You know, regardless of where you're at in your marriage and what you think that, that maybe the lack of fulfillment in some marriages, maybe your marriage is really healthy. But I think sometimes we hear the God's word and, or we hear a message about submission or and we think, well, my marriage doesn't look like that. Yeah. Or it hasn't, or there's brokenness in our marriage. God has an incredible ability to restore and redeem all things. That's right. Your marriage, your home, your life is never too broken that God can't redeem and repair. And so regardless of the way you think it looks right now, from this moment on, God can do a work in you. God can do a work in your spouse where from this point on, your marriage really does tell the greatest love story ever written, and it's Christ and his sacrifice and love for you. Yeah, and if you're single in the room, whether you've, you've been single, you desire to be married, you're single because of brokenness and hurt in your past or divorce or something that you're like, man, I, I don't even know where I fit in the context of you and me and what this looks like today. I would say to you that if you desire to be married, you're, you're not just looking for somebody that makes you laugh. You're not just looking for somebody that, that you think is attractive or, or finds you, you. That's not what you're looking for necessarily. You're looking for someone to help you retell this story. You're looking for someone who's in pursuit of Jesus Christ as you are in pursuit of Jesus Christ. And the best of your ability, you're going to tell everybody around you this incredible love story. 
the kids on the soccer team and the kids in the classroom and your children and your nieces and nephews and, and your grandchildren and, and the couple down the street and the children in Hope City Kids and in the youth group here. And like one day, perhaps, one day, as you pursue Christ and as you find someone who's in pursuit of Christ and you attempt to work on what God is calling you to in this relationship, to love and to respect one another and out of as a reverence for Christ, to submit to one another. As you do that, perhaps one day they would be sitting on a stage somewhere or they would be able to share in a conversation with somebody, you know what, I wasn't really sure what marriage would look like for me, but I watched that couple at my church. There's this couple that they volunteered in the youth ministry at my church when I was in middle school. There was this lady that she was like a substitute teacher and our families got to know one another and I just watched their marriage when we'd go over to their house. There was some people that lived across the street from us. And, you know, in my house, like things, they just, it was a little messy. But when I watched their marriage, I just prayed like, Lord, would you just let me have a little bit of what I see in them? Maybe one day that would be what happens. As you say, I'm in pursuit of Jesus Christ. I want to find someone who's in pursuit of Jesus Christ. I want to work on my marriage. I want God to redeem the brokenness, the hurt, the pain. And I want to make sure that I recognize that you and me is actually larger than you and me. It's actually God's way of telling the earth the greatest love story ever told. So here's what I want you to do in just a second. I want you to just kind of bow your heads in a second. And Corey's just gonna pray for you. She's gonna pray over you. She's gonna pray for your marriage, your relationships, your future, the things that you desire, and ask God to help use you to tell this incredible love story. That's right. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that out of all of the things and all of the ways that you could have chosen to tell the world your great love for them, that you chose marriage. So right now I pray for every married couple in the room that you would unify them, that you would let your favor rest upon them, that they would find a newfound joy and freedom within their marriage, that they would, that they would enjoy each other's company, that they would pursue you both individually and together, that you would redeem brokenness, that no marriage, no individual is too far, can go too far that you can't reach, that you can't restore, that you can't repair. You are enough. Would you be enough today in our marriages, in our homes, and in our lives? I pray for every single parent in the room today that you would give them strength that only comes from you that you not only would speak to them and through them and give them rest, but that you would reassure them that because of your great grace and your power, that their kids can chase and follow after you and pursue you with all of their heart and you will fill in the gap because you're enough. I pray for every single person in the room that so desires to have an earthly relationship. Would you, at your time, in your timing, bring that person into their life and let it be a fulfilling relationship, one that honors you, one that represents you in all that they say and do, and that for generations and generations, their family would, would honor you in all that they do. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for Valentine's Day. That just really is a moment to pause and, and tell the people that are in our lives that we love most that we love them. So we take this moment too in church just to say, Jesus, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for your love for us. And we love you. Help our lives to honor you and to show the world the great love that you have for us that you gave your only son
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.